podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw here on Anfield Index Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Arsenal nil, Liverpool 2, the FA Cup third round from the Emirates are Harry Sethi and Jim Boardman. Uh, Harry, for multiple reasons, you've probably got a, a grin a mile wide in your face right now. <laughs> It's a it's it's a lovely uh, result that has been dressed up by the media. I didn't watch BBC because I got five minutes into Shearer and I thought, no, 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 I, I'm not going to do that to myself if I have an option. So instead, I got the incredible ramblings of Gary Breen. Um, hmm. But basically, both sets of, um, of of media lads seem to have dressed this up as a smash and grab, um, very much so. And um, I don't think the statistics bear that out. I don't think that's a fair representation. Surely, yes, we can say that Arsenal had the majority of uh, the good chances in the first half, if not all of them, bar one, perhaps. Um, Mm. But I definitely sort of changed in terms of the ebb and flow after that. And I don't think it's quite the the plucky Liverpool grab defeat or victory from the jaws of defeat narrative that we will no doubt be trying to be sold as the evening goes on. Yeah, no, it's uh, I was saying just before we started recording, the spirit, the spirit of the FA Cup, Trev, is wonderful, wonderful to see these uh, these these kind of games and uh, these kind of results. You're right, the grin is is big uh, on my uh, on my face this evening. I, I think I've spoken about many roars uh, together with you and Dave in the past around uh, the North London contingent of my of my family um, who. Um, yeah, I'm keeping the drafts warm and ready. Uh, and they, they, perhaps they will be sent. You, you are you were telling me to send them all at the start of uh, before we started recording. So in terms of the game itself, I think you're right. I mean, the, the, you could tell sort of by the way in which Shearer was commentating. I did listen to him throughout, uh, throughout that this narrative has taken hold around obviously Arsenal's struggles in front of goal. I think this is. They've scored I think it's zero goals now from about six six point four xG or whatever like that. So they're they're creating these chances clearly. I wouldn't say there were tons of clear cut ones today, but there was enough certainly for them to have had a, maybe a more comfortable uh, position in the game. Having said that, uh, many moments in the in the match today, um, I have to say I was tearing my hair out a little bit with Darwin and and Diaz and just thinking back to. Um, the times that we all got so used to with the likes of Mane and uh, and Bobby, and you're just thinking either of those guys in that in that front three, uh, multiple counter attacks that probably would have been ruthlessly finished, and, and then the game completely turns. And yeah, as you say, that narrative about it being a smash and grab, 
probably changes because I think we we score from some of those early counters and really take a strong foothold into the into the game. But with, with the number of players that we had out, even some of the late emissions that we weren't expecting, like Van Dyke through through illness. Yeah, it does mean that yeah, it's quite a patched up back four, as we'll come to talk about. And um, there's players in there who've been in, in plenty of games, but still quite young. And of course, they're going to be up for it at home in the FA Cup. Probably their best chance of of silverware, realistically, this season. Um, and that, that's that's gone now. So I expected them to be up for it. Uh, but I, I just, yeah, we've spoken about it before. The resilience of this group of players, even when you are tearing your hair out of them, <laughs> or a few of them throughout the season, is remarkable. Uh, there's a, clearly a great, great spirit uh, and energy amongst the amongst the group, and you did feel as the clock started to tick on that I'm sure the Arsenal squad were aware of those statistics about how many late goals we score. I'm sure the fans were in the stadium as well because you could see and hear them getting quite anxious. It, it, it just felt. Uh, inevitable that we were going to, uh, uh, you know, like not steal it, but you know, win the game. And uh, I, for one, Trevor, delighted that inevitability is uh, is back. Yeah, well, that's the, that is a lovely thing. And and Harry's right, Jim. We have something about us as a squad, as a team now, where you do. You don't fret in the way that you might have about games getting away from this crew. And that resilience that Harry name-checked was very much there in abundance today, I thought, epitomised, I think, by the performance of Darwin Nunes, who had his share of frustrations. Two, I think, interestingly profligate sides, you might say, Arsenal and Liverpool in recent games. Uh, we're obviously doing a little bit better than them in terms of converting some of our chances. Um, but, you know, we, there's a lot of attacking flair and then perhaps that cutting edge not quite there um, as much as we'd like. And Darwin sure was front and centre in a few of those, but then, I mean, I think he made like three big defensive headers in the last section of the game and was hugely involved mm. in 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 attacks forward and um maintenance of possession and all those kind of things so yeah that jim the plucky reds the plucky reds went to the home of the <laughs> behemoth that is arsenal and um took away the victory it's a lovely enjoyable afternoon i won't lie to you I was kind of indifferent uh, entirely about this, um, whether or not we won or lost. I'd have been able to dress it up in a way that I could absolutely live with. But to see the way in which it was enjoyed by manager and squad, um, I think I may have been a little bit askew in my take on things. They've really enjoyed that today. Um, it's a psychological victory as much as anything else. Uh, whether or not he goes completely children only in the next round, I don't think anyone will really care. Uh, I heard Dave saying during the week, this is a good one to win because we want to just beat these. Uh, and there's a lot to that. And we did. Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying... Um, in fact, me and Jay were both saying on Scouts of Tommy's, we said it a couple of times, that for this game, it doesn't really matter. We've got a heck, heavy month, loads of fixtures coming up, two um, big semi-finals, two legs, and really, that's the most realistic way of getting to Wembley because you've literally got to get through two games and you're there. So, um, by all means, stick the kids out for this one. It doesn't really matter. And of course, as you get, as you, I mean, the, the gym from 10 years ago would have been fuming with the gym of today because I was like, you always, you want to try and win everything you play for. But, you know, as the game as the game gets closer and you see the team that he's put out, which is basically 
pretty much the only team he could put out if he wasn't going to kind of weaken it in any way. Um, I don't think he could have put a stronger team out. And it's at this point you start thinking, you know what, I, I really do want to win this. And Dave's right, th- this is a big game to win because we've not just won an FA Cup third round tie, which might in the end count for nothing you know we could easily go out in the next round and without being too much of a dampener on things we've done that quite a lot under Klopp in this competition we've gone out in the fourth round or thereabouts so you know there's no guarantee it'll take us anywhere further but what it does for us today is it, it feels like a lifetime ago we played them Anfield in the league when they were you know it was like they were ahead of us in the league if we could beat them we'd go ahead of them and it was all in our hands and all of that stuff and we drew against them and a bit of bad refereeing and a bit of frustration on our side that maybe we could have done more to win it that feels like a lifetime ago now what's happened since as they've gone on a bit of a decline and we've gone on the up um I mean Harry's just saying about this being their only realistic um hope of silverware and I, I don't think we would have said that a month ago We'd have said, you know, they're still in with a chance of the league, etc. You know, um, it just feels like it's been a bit of a killer blow to them. And if they're one of our main rivals for the league, the sooner, the sooner that you know, the sooner that we sort of knock them out of the way by just knocking the confidence, the better. And. That, I think, can happen with them. And that's what I think is different with Liverpool. This is a team that doesn't let bad moments turn into bad games, doesn't let bad games turn into bad runs. Um, it's been a while since we've had a bad game, I would say, a really bad game. We've had some slightly disappointing ones, but no really bad ones. Doing doing what we've done today, you know, Darwin's, the, as you just said, he epitomises that with Liverpool. You know, he, he, he has a bad miss, but what's he doing the next minute? He's going, getting the ball, winning it back and starting another break. He's saving us from going behind. Um and I just love the way everyone's got each other's backs. Um, the young lads even coming on towards the end and being part of the team. Um, overall, it's just, yeah, there's moments we're not keen on. But I think if you look back and said, you know, if someone had a quiet word and said, what what was the game plan today? I would imagine if you just said, well, we're going to just let them go crazy for the first half. We'll just sit back and be patient, see what comes of it. We'll go and, you know, we'll go and knock them for six in the second half, you know, and kind of what we did. Uh, yeah, frustrations when you're sort of within the game. But when you look back, so satisfying. So satisfying is <laughs> right. It really is. I, I, I've, I've, I've had an amount of fun watching that game, which I haven't had for quite a while. And, you know, to be fair, Jim, I think you've hit on something there as well. Like, I mean, it's not just... It's not just the FA Cup win, as we were saying. It's not just the fact. It, it's it is the fact that it's Arsenal, but they went strong. And in a minute, Harry, I'm going to talk to you about um, the Arsenal lineup because I know you've done rival recon ahead of this, and you may have some insights for us. And Jim, maybe just before I get go there with Harry, you and I might just look at the way Liverpool went. And you, you, your take was that we couldn't have gone much stronger. And I, I'd be inclined to agree with, perhaps the exception of of, of our Portuguese. Yeah. Um, but you know. With Allison, uh, Trent, Ibu, uh, Kwanzaa, and Gomez across the back, that's a solid unit. Um, McAllister, Jones, and Gakpo. Well, we don't ever want to see Cody as a midfielder, but I can see what the thoughts were here around that. And we're very, very, very under pressure for that particular position at the moment. So, again, um, we're, we're making and, and mending and, and he decided to push Harvey into Moe's position, which is something a lot of us have been asking to see mm-hmm. uh, or perhaps even on the other side. So we can't complain too much. And, and most of us are also very much of the opinion that Harvey mightn't be the May West when it comes to the defensive side of things. So, yeah, OK, let's do this. Let's get Cody involved in midfield. And we go Elliot, 
uh, Nunez and Diaz. And a lot of the time, it was interesting that front three was quite fluid. Uh, and we saw um, Diaz operating through the middle uh, by the end. And then, you know, obviously Darwin doing his usual bits from the left. But it was very much, um, it, it wasn't quite as rigid as one might expect in terms of the positioning of those footballers. Now, our bench gym was very, very revealing because there's only really Gravenberg and Jota that are first team yep. um Squad members, Kelleher is there, and some people may have been surprised that Quivy didn't get the game. Uh, Clark and Bradley came on to good effect, especially the latter, I thought. Uh, Neoni was on there, Chambers, Gordon and McConnell, all good lads who we know we've seen on the fringes of the first team before. So, um, whereas our team was strong uh, to match up against Arsenal's strong lineup, uh, we didn't really have too much go-to by way of um, we can change this late on if needs be on the bench. Now the two lads, our senior players who came on, did well. The young lads did well. But you see what I'm saying? We that that squad, that team, um, there were there were you were right, very limited options for Jurgen. Yeah, and I mean, um, it hit home sort of during the game when Quan set up that funny tumble where he seems to sort of stand on the ball and hurt himself. And you think, God, it's one of those injuries where players haven't been out for three months over something innocuous. In the end, it wasn't. He, he seems OK and hopefully there's no um, no ill effects so he's going to feel later on. But yeah, he was thinking, who's going to come on? If Quanta goes off, who's going to who's going to slot in? And it's not even like you're looking around the side and thinking, um, you know, when we had our last centre-back crisis, you think of some players you could maybe stick back. OK, they're not going to be brilliant. You're thinking, actually, who who could we stick at centre back? And it was it was a genuine worry for a moment, thinking, have we got anyone that you that you would stick in? Because don't forget, I mean, Kwanza is is a young lad that sort of come through and made a good made a good show of him and, and he's been I've been really pleased with Quanta this season but you know he's the kind of player you'd be thinking oh god when all the main ones have gone who's next oh does that young lad Quanta can come in well we've already got him in he's already being used um I think it's something we've got to look at in this window is uh is doing that unless we decide to bring the covid center backs back into things which I can't see as uh some I can't see us doing because I think if we would we'd probably be looking at them involved in some way much sooner but it's it's it is it's the, it's the strongest team he had. I think Jota was yeah again. It's that same old thing with the the front players we've got. You put Jota in. A lot of people are saying that he's he's very effective when he comes on from the bench, and you know it's where he's maybe at his best. But with Salah missing, then there's always an opportunity to shuffle things around. Elliot, yeah, that's what everyone was crying out for. If, if Salah goes off for a bit, let's give Elliot a go out there. And um, I'm just not sure. Maybe, maybe it just wasn't the game for that. And I, I, when I saw the lineup, I wondered if it would be more sort of four-two-three-one, if Gakpo would be kind of just behind Nunez kind of thing, and Elliot right, Diaz left. But I think the way the game panned out, maybe that was sort of an intention that that would kind of um, start to happen if we got any kind of control in the game. But in that first half, we just, we had a couple of 10 minute spells really where you'd say we really had control where we were sort of looking away where we're looking to attack. We didn't create a lot in the first half. Um, it was more about just letting them come at us, it felt. So in that sense, maybe it wasn't the, the wisest choice to sort of go with that lineup. But then what do you do? It's still those same plays that you're shuffling around. And the only difference is that you stick Elliot in midfield instead of Cody. And th- that's about your option um, other than bringing on one of the kids. And that's um, which, which in a way kind of is what we did late on in the end. And that's something we might see now maybe in the league cup because Connor Bradley did make a good show of himself. He was, um, I've seen him play a couple of times and he, the cameos we've seen of him, he looks a really good player and him playing it right back, let's Trent go into the middle and maybe, um, you know, maybe whatever we think of Trent, whether he's a midfielder, a fullback or whatever, maybe having him in the middle 
and staying in the middle is something we can look at doing if uh, you know maybe give Bradley a go but Overall, yeah, it was the sort of lineup I pretty much expected, uh, expected with the exception. Um, I really didn't think Allison would start, but by God, I'm glad he did. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Trent will come back into this conversation specifically for that um, observation of yours about midfield or not midfield, because I, I have I have issues later on that I definitely want to chit-chat around. And, um, you know, I think... It, it, not to denigrate Cody Gakpo, but we have to give credit where it's due to a man who got a lot of slack, or sorry, not slack, but a lot of slagging off rather when he came first, who was uh, Wataru Endo. And you really miss his uh, feistiness there in the middle today. And another guy whose form has not been as good at all as it was in the early part of the season on the ball, but off the ball, Dom, Sabazlai is very, very important for us too, even just his end in the yeah. way he gets around. And when we miss that from the centre field unit today, we'll get into it in terms of the details of the match as we go along. And Harry, you and I just have a quick look at Arsenal now. Uh, they went uh, Ramsdale, uh, Ben uh, White, uh, Saliba and Gabriel and Kivior. They went with Jorginho, Odegaard, Rice, and then Saka Havertz and the young lad Nelson, who had a great start to the game. Now, their bench is considerably stronger looking than ours, I would have thought, with Raya, who's nominally their first choice, uh, Cedric, uh, Walters, Sousa, Smith, Rowe, uh, Nguaneri, Trossard, Martinelli, and then Ketia. Actually, I take it back, it's not exactly the strongest bench in the world either, uh, but there are probably a few more difference makers on it than we had. Um, what did you make of the way that old Lego head went? You could see the series seriousness with which he was tr- treating the occasion. He wa- This wasn't a throwaway game for them. Uh, this is one they wanted to win, like you say, perhaps um, a realistic opportunity for them to extend what I think is Arsenal's Arsenal are the record FA Cup holders, I think. Um, possibly that was a, an idea in the back of his head, um, which he's been very much disabused of. What did you think about the way they went in terms of lineup? Was it as expected? Uh, any insights from your show you, you think might be relevant here before we move into the details of the match? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think looking at the lineup and looking at the players who are out, I mean, this is uh, this is pretty much as close to full strength as uh, as he could expect to go. I mean, Gabriel Jesus w- would probably have played. Uh, I think he, he missed out quite late on with some sort of knee issue. Um, Arsenal fans quite worried about the frequency of his, um, his absences now, um, not helping things in terms of the attacking side of their game. So Havertz, you know, who could have probably played in midfield, I think we've seen uh, Arteta go with that midfield of Erdegaard, Rice and Havertz in in quite a few games I think it's quite a well I'd say somewhat incomplete not really a balanced midfield Rice has to get through a lot of work and I still don't really think Havertz has really settled as a midfielder uh, despite some of the, the goals in recent games as I say recent games not obviously in the last uh, three or four but Pretty much elsewhere. I mean, you're looking at um, Kiro coming in uh, at, uh, is it sort of um, left back? I mean, they, they had some absences there. Zinchenko's injured at the moment. Um, I'm trying to think who else is actually out there as well. But I think that, yeah, realistically, uh, I expected him to come in. You, you're, not, you're not likely to see the likes of Cedric Suarez anyone, anyone like that come into the team, given how often they play. Uh, and the other change, I suppose, from um, the usual sort of starting lineup is Ramsdale in for Raya. Um, Ramsdale giving him the, the cups, I think, is yeah sensible idea. I think given the way in which his confidence has been really hit hard by the, just being dropped effectively um, at the start of this season. 
um, makes sense to give him a game. Uh, and and Reese Nelson coming in for for Martinelli, who's typically been the first choice option um, for for Arsenal this season. I think that that's the big story for them this season is that yeah, changing him for Reese Nelson wasn't maybe the biggest or the most noticeable difference in the world because Martinelli. Uh, for all the talent that he's got, has really struggled this season to have much end product. Um, has, has has looked quite tired on occasion, um, lacking in ideas. Seems to have one real plan, and when that hasn't worked, he's not had a real change of gear um, to influence games more. But apart, apart from that, yeah, Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel. Sorry, Saliba, the best centre back in the league, I'm assured by many, 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 many folks. And Alan Shearer was very keen today as well. Um, I personally thought there was a another French centre back on the pitch, Trevi, who, who perhaps uh, perhaps sort of shaded him. Erdegaard and Rice, we are used to seeing those a lot. Uh, Jorginho coming in as a bit more of a conservative option, but given the absences, it makes sense. They're still missing Partey as well, who I think would would make a big difference. I think, but again, we have to factor in that Declan Rice was signed. We're led to believe, you know, to to replace Thomas Partey. So the fact that they sort of need him still to balance things out, I think, says quite a lot. So, yeah, I mean, Trossard's been an option off the bench for them. Emil Smith Rowe barely plays for them anymore, um, which is a shame because they're like a great young talent. And then Ketia, he was the one who I thought perhaps, you know, went with Jesus missing out. Do you? opt for the striker who yeah maybe he's not the the required quality but he makes a striker's runs he's a striker's movement he's got those instincts uh as opposed to Havertz who I think we saw many many times today just just is not a killer at all um in those situations and uh, I think it just, just only emphasizes the the problem they're going through at the moment so it's one win in seven now uh, for Arsenal and like I said a bit earlier on they're, they're creating these chances but they're just not uh, not putting them away Harry I believe thanks to Adam Petruccioni here in the chats that AFTV are going back full um, right. Lego head out uh, ah. and if, I think I think we we as a fan base uh, given recent news we can offer solace to little Mikhail about how he possibly could relaunch his title credentials. There's a man available. He's over in Saudi Arabia. He's a great lad, a midfield maestro par excellence. Mm. And he wants back. He wants back. Can you imagine the beauty of Rice Henderson in there? It's only going to go well. So I hope that's a thing that happens. Uh, I'm just putting that out there because um, <laughs> because I think that's important energy to have out there in the world. You're trying to manifest that, Trevor. Is I'm, I, I am manifesting the hell out of that, Harry. <laughs> um, like like some sort of uh, like some sort of um, special powered um, uh, manga character. Uh, so I also I will say one thing. Actually, just just uh, sorry to interrupt you there is that if you think AFTV has peaked already uh, I, I j- just briefly for the listeners imagine uh, how Arsenal Fan TV might react or discuss that clip ball to the far post you know just that clip ball to the far post oh. uh, that would be a, a, another lovely chapter for, for that channel it's a lovely it's a lovely thing to think about their reaction to that I mean I know I miss it <laughs> And uh, I think I think it's a thing that we really need to see happen in the world. Uh, on in terms of ref watch, one sentence: John Brooks. 
he wasn't awful. And we'll leave it at that because there's no point in talking too much about referees if you don't have to. Uh, Jim, let's see you and I talk about this first half, which is very much um, Arsenal's. Um, and when we talk now about the first half of the first half, uh, we'll go up as far as maybe... 25 26 minutes or so and it is all them if we're being honest three minutes there's a long ball over the top from the keeper which isolates nelson against ali um who kind of forces him to go wide and he ends up um slapping his um, effort into the side rigging um on seven there's a throw in that causes a bit of carnage uh, worryingly enough um Nelson pulls his shot again across uh, the face of goal and it leads to a corner from that. More carnage resulted in the Reds box. Now, we'll pause here because lest we forget, uh, I don't think we will because it's in my notes three or four times. Uh, an absolute doff of the cap to the magisterial leadership of Ibu Kanate alongside the cam of uh, Gerald Kwanza, who, yes, had a couple of misplaced passes, but apart from that, for a kid who has literally no minutes, as Harry pointed out earlier on, uh, I thought the two lads did very well. What, which, what, what was an onslaught? Uh, to be fair, it continued on eight minutes. Another, another shot this time. Havertz uh, with a go. Um, Ali deals with it quite comfortably. Um, a huge Ibu Kanate block on 10 minutes. And then Odegaard hits the crossbar as it comes back to him, rattles it. And then there's another block shot on the far side. I'm not sure if it was Havertz that time. Um, we had our first decent move. 10 minutes elapsed here where they are not in the ascendancy, but neither are we. Nothing really much happens. And on 21, we have our first decent move of the game, which leads to a corner. And from that, there is a chance that Cruz, Darwin gets a lot of space, uh, appears to be comparatively unchallenged. Of course, that's an awful lot to do with the run that he makes as well, uh, and heads the ball wide from that corner. Nice pressure by the Reds on about 24 minutes. Nice football being played by us. It felt like the first period of the game. You were talking about these little spells we had in the first half. This felt like the first extended one. Um, Jorginho got away with a yellow card, uh, had a bit of a cry at uh, John Brooks, and nothing happened. Bear that in mind later on, um, because something similar happens when another one of our players, Harvey Elliott. Uh, and then, Jim, on 26, a decent Arsenal move, end up ends up with a Saka shot, which is saved by Ali. Um he he had clashed with Ibu Kanate um, in the build-up to that. We saw Kanate go down, holding his head. We were a little bit worried. He was down for a bit, but got up uh, and continued. And like I said, was absolutely imperious uh, from that point on. In terms of the first 25, 26 minutes there, what did you pick out of it? Apart from the fact that we can't really argue, we'd have to give their flowers to them there. They were very much um, the superior team in terms of ball dominance and and chances created for whatever standard of chance they were. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. 
just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I mean they they would they were definitely the team that was most up for it. I mean it was it was the the home fans were all up, were up for them. It was you know pretty loud from them. Um, I mean, they didn't know who they was playing for which position unless they recognised the haircut. Or maybe that's why he had the uh, that so much fake tan on because you could tell who he was because there was no numbers. It looked like they had no numbers on unless my TV brightness was too high. Um, I get why they did the shirts. It's a good idea, but maybe just stick some actual visible numbers on next time. Um, but the the crowd were well up, were well up with them, and I think we got to about. I sort of wrote down on 11 minutes that we need to silence the home crowd. I, I also put never takes much, but it, it was, it was the, this, this first 10 minutes, they were, they had all the ball. They were creating sort of chances and half chances. And, um, and it's that kind of game where, you know, that that's kind of what you do when you're a home, home supporters, you get, you get on the referee's back. You, you try and persuade him to change his mind on decisions. You, you buy your team, and they were doing that quite well. You know, it, it was that that thing we talk about at Anfield: who should go first on making the atmosphere, the players or the, or the supporters. It doesn't matter. They, you know, once he's going, it's going, and that's what they were doing. Um, but I think in the end, our was it seven thousand fans of ours were there. Um, we started to break through, and after about. 16 minutes I'd written down that the LFC fans were louder, well louder. And I think this is what had happened in that that first 10 minutes. We'd taken a lot of pressure. I mean, I've written down about Gakpo losing possession because it really sort of disappointed me the way, how easily he'd done it. And I thought, you know, if this keeps happening, we're going to we're gonna struggle here. But they didn't capitalise. And this seemed to be the story of the game. A lot of pressure from them. And it would end with a weak shot. That was no problem for Ali to save. A lot of pressure from them. And it would end up just, just some wasted bit of effort. And for all the stats you want, you can look at stats all day. And stats can be great. But when you're actually watching a match, you know, I think guys actually uh, entitled this conversation gutted lost 15-2, which is a bit of a dig about the stats because the stats say one thing, but what you watch in front of you say something else. It was a lot of pressure and yeah, they were doing well and we needed to sort of keep an eye on that. But, you know, they, they, they weren't capitalising on it. So that's not so much us. I'm not praising us for that as much as I'm sort of saying that that's a, a question mark for them. But I think as the game went on, and we will come to talk to it. That was more about what we were doing. We were making it difficult. The reason they were having these efforts that were easy for Ali to save is because the pressure we were putting them under when they did get forward, we were, you know, we were limiting their options that they had to find another player. Um, and it made a hell of a difference. Um, EB was definitely, definitely fouled in the build up to that effort, which again, we don't want to talk about refs. And, you know, relatively speaking, my God, it, it, if if refs were at the standard we expect them to be, we'd have been a bit annoyed with the ref today. But given what we've got used to, I'm not going to complain too much about that ref today. Um, he did miss some things, I think. Um, but And I think there was also at one point where their fans were singing who's the scouser in the black. And yeah. I yeah. think there's a lot of cry wolf from them. Every time... They're the crying all the time. It's our corner. It's our it should be a free kick for us. It's handball over and over and over again. And I think after a while, the ref's going to think you're just saying that to everything. So you're not going to sway me because you're not, you know, you're not saving it for the moments where there is a bit of doubt. Um, just constant. Um, but yeah, we we just did our thing where we just don't we don't come out of the blocks ready to go. We just sat back, and I don't know if that was a plan though today. I really don't. I'm beginning to think it was. Uh, Make me easy to say in hindsight. Doesn't feel like it at the time, um, but by sort of not coming out the blocks early on, just keeping an eye on, restricting what chances they do create to not being really good chances, um, you know, to weak efforts and all the rest of it. That as the game goes on and they run out of steam, we come into it, and that's kind of how it played out. Now whether that was a plan or not, I don't know. I'd love to think it was, but it, I don't know. With us, who knows? 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Uh, Harry, if we take the second half of the first half, we'll try and land on a couple of players here if we can. But, you know, it's more about our defensive work in this half, if we're being perfectly honest. Uh, 29 minutes there back on it again. Havertz has a shot blocked after a bad giveaway by McAllister. Um, now, Trent played them the ball standing in the left centre back position. He played the ball into midfield to Tim McAllister, and McAllister was sloppy and, and, and got caught in possession and uh, allowed them to get this break. And they should have done better, and Havertz should have done better over the course of the game for sure. Um, but again, we saw this wandering Trent thing uh, in real uh, full flow there, there today, and a couple of times in the second half where it becomes quite. Egregious, uh, because um, it influences how he's playing the game in a way that isn't just systemic or systematic or to do with the system or whatever the correct version of the word is in that context. And I want to get back to that. So maybe both of you might have a little bit of a an opinion on that later on. Feel free to tell me I'm talking absolute bobbins, by the way, I often do. Um, Curtis makes a complete hit of Ben White on 33 minutes, which was fantastic crack. Probably the highlight of the first half for me. No doubt it led to little Ben having to go off and have a seven-minute turbo tanning session at halftime just to just to level out a bit because um you know it was probably quite traumatic for him i think he picked up a yellow card because of his reaction at least he should have in terms of pushing trent over afterwards or curtis over afterwards um he's an odd chap that the, the, the one example where nominative determinism doesn't work ben wise no not at all <laughs> ben oddly orange would be far more appropriate trent's free kick off the back of this is absolutely appalling it's um gives nobody a chance it's 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 over on the left hand side curled inwards uh, with his right foot obviously and miles over the bar nobody's an opportunity next effort is Declan rice with a bit of a long-range pot shot at ali on 36 minutes and then white uh, roused um, by the thought of his halftime tanning session ends up with a very good dig to be fair which causes Ali to tip it over it's on the end of a break for them and he just comes bombing onto it um, again our man more than equal to whatever they can throw at, at us at this point uh, it goes out for a corner and from that Havertz has an opportunity which is not the same in terms of the way the ball came in and the header executed but is the same in terms of the amount of time he perhaps had as Darwin uh, and he heads wide narrowly when he should really get that ball at least on target. Uh, Kwanzaa goes over with a hurt angle on 39 minutes uh, and on 43 Ali has to get down to save yet another Havertz effort after yet another giveaway of possession by us this time it was Gerald Kwanzaa possibly his only mistake of the of the afternoon uh, and on 44 we saw a great Trent Everett whamming off the bar after a, a nice bit of fluid football by the Reds two minutes added uh, Cody sets up a, a little attempt on 47 minutes uh, because his uh, tackle is not a good one and gives them a free in where you know we were under pressure and I, I mentioned this specifically Harry because this is the story of the first half for me the way and the character with which the Reds defence and indeed the midfield working as hard as they could work maybe not all gifted defensive specialists and the way that our forwards tracked back 
the way we defend it as a unit and remain, to use a word you used back in your introduction, resilient to all that Arsenal could throw at us. Yes, their finishing could have been better, but yes, we put them in a position where they were snatching at things or they didn't have clear shots at goal or there was just enough done defensively uh, to put them under pressure, to take the sting out of a shot, whatever it happened to be. And that for me is the big story of the first half. And so again, if we're going to give uh, flowers where they're due, I think our defensive unit uh, really did stand tall there. I mean, all they can do is repel the invaders. They did that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, in, in the past, we've seen Liverpool sides, you know, like, like feel feel hard done by for themselves, right? In in games where you can say, well, things are going against us here, or you know, this player's missing all of a sudden. Uh, there have been worse sides than this where sort of you can tell it's all a hard luck attitude. But with, with these guys, I have to say, I thought you could see the way in which they were celebrating every sort of piece of defending Kanate, trying to trying to be a leader in this side, which is not, you know, not something he's always had to do. Uh, Kwanzaa, very composed. It's one of the things that stood out the most about him since he's come into the side. And I thought today as well, in real difficult circumstances where Arsenal were pressing very high, if they had a striker or a forward that was in form, I do think they would have taken one of those chances that we've talked about in the first half. Even though, actually, as we go over them again, there's not... There's not many there that you look at you look at as huge clear cut chances. Maybe that that really early one for Reese Nelson, uh, a more comfortable forward just slots that. But yeah, I, I, I felt as though the longer it went on and the more chances that were missed, uh, something that's happened to Liverpool sides in the past, uh, well, as, as happened to most fans uh, and most clubs, I suppose, you could you could feel it happening for Arsenal that with every chance that was missed. And they were much more ready to think of it, think of it as oh, it's going to be one of those days, you know. Given the run that they've been on, the anxiety in that crowd that we know it's doesn't take much to sort of stoke that anxiety. I felt that yeah, with every chance that we defended, even though we were living dangerously, that it was having more of an effect on on them, which is you know obviously always a positive. And again, when you're coming out to half time, I felt well. We can't play this badly in an attacking sense. Uh, in the second half, we are going to uh, uh, show more threat. They are going to have to throw more and more at this and leave themselves exposed. So we're just hoping we'd get in at halftime without conceding uh, a goal that I think we could all have probably accepted was maybe deserved by Arsenal in that, in that first half. But you did see as well in those counters, so you talked about the Trent opportunity, a couple others that... When we did counter, we couldn't couldn't quite get the final ball right, but on occasion you could see if we could figure the figure that last pass out or that last bit of movement that we were I felt actually creating some of the more dangerous uh, chances. So I was encouraged by that, and um, yeah, yeah, I think you had to have your your, your context uh, for the game in mind when you're watching it. Right, these are much changed side, really disrupted players working hard for each other. Just on the trend point that you mentioned, I, I I did find myself watching their game and there's so much to admire about what Trent did technically in that game. And he's just absurdly talented from from that perspective. Yes, some of the set pieces weren't up to his usual quality, but like some of the touches on the ball, some of the control, some of the vision and the passes um, and some of the passes that he did when defending that not only did they just relieve pressure, but they did set us up uh, to either gain some ground or to like perhaps build a dangerous counter. So I thought he was good. I just think that 
we'll come on to talk about it in the second half, but I, it's so clear to me at this stage that I don't think this guy wants to do the defending that's necessarily associated with a fullback anymore. Certainly doesn't want to do the 1v1 stuff because yeah, it's, it's hard, let's face it, and he doesn't quite like doing it. And I thought Martinelli showed him up a couple of times. But I, one thing you can say about this side is that I think they're all fighting for each other, Trent, uh, Trev, whenever whenever somebody did go out of position or did go on a bit of a mazy run, uh, you found others uh, you know, filling in to support them. You did. And, and and again, it's not to dig out Trent, but it's, it's, we need, it's important that we have a balanced discussion. That's what, that's what we try to do here. So we're not just going to talk about, you know, fanny about and talk about, well, wasn't that a great shot that Trent hit there? Well, that was so fun. I mean, yes, we can all enjoy these things and they, they, they're the things that keep us happy. Uh, but, you know, w- when we get to this later on in the second half, you're right. It's it's the Martinelli arrival that really, really starts to show up as uh, an issue. And we'll talk about it when we get there. Uh, in terms of the first half, Jim, before we go straight to the second half, you and I, was there anyone else you wanted to pick out in terms of uh, performance, good or bad there? Um, just quickly, without going on too much about trends, I just saw a quote from Martin Keown, and he says, play Alexander-Arnold in the midfield, that's where he wants to be. You wouldn't play Gerard at right back, he mustn't have seen yeah. the Champions League final. Um, I think we've, we've one thing just quickly on that as well is, we've I've said in the past, I think it's difficult doing two jobs at once, which is kind of what Trent ends up doing in this role, and today he had the armbands, so in a way he was doing three jobs at once. Um, yeah. And when I've seen him, I mean, you see it more... When you're lucky enough to be at the game as well, you can sometimes see it more. You see the difference it makes to his game when he is just allowed to be in the middle. Um, and the difference it makes to our game, because then we've got the width, not just the width going forward, but the width um, when we need to defend when things are coming the other way. And I think, you know, he just feels like he's trying to sort of mind the shop and he's in, you know, he's also at the back of the shop dealing with the deliveries as well. He's kind of, he can't do everything. Um, so that's something we need to look at. But yeah, um we did enough to just keep them at bay in the first half. And I honestly thought at that point that um, a good team talk at halftime, a good sort of look at what we're doing, maybe some, um, maybe even some slight tweaks with formation, um, not expecting any substitutions so early, given how few and far between our actual uh, experienced plays we had on the bench were. So I thought, you know, we'd, we'd made it through. We'd made it through the first half. We'd done enough. We kept them at bay. Um, we definitely had something to build on. And, I think, you know, again, Ali was just looking, you know, the almost the, of all the players that you could have left out today or might have thought about leaving out today, he was definitely the one, even by that stage, I'm thinking he, he was right to sort of start with him. Um, all due respect to Queeves, but it would, I think it would have been a different story if we didn't have the world's best goalkeeper in there today. Oh, I think it's a really important show. That's an, I'm glad you said it because we, it's easy to take that guy for granted and breeze through a show like this without even giving him a mention because we've come to expect that level. And, you know, that's why we talk about if, if we see anything dropping off from the likes of Trent and uh, and, and Mo over the, over the years because these are such wonderful footballers. And, yeah, great shout about Ali because we would have been in bother, I think, without him. Not necessarily because of the standard of the chances, but he has a big impact on those ahead of him as well in game um, so that's important to remember too if we look at the start of the first half Jim maybe at least up as far as uh, sort of their set of substitutions let's let's try that because it's it's the least sort of uh, uh, eventful part of the game and yet it's an interesting part of the game because I think we saw Liverpool start to maybe 
assert a little bit more authority, certainly more than they did in the first half. Um, it doesn't start that way, though, because on 49 minutes, um, there is a ball over the top to Saka, which they tried to do a couple of times, isolate him. But Gomez did brilliantly defensively, absolutely fantastic. And then within seconds, he's up the far end in his improvised left back role, cutting in and blasting a shot over the top from long range. He clearly believes that goal is coming. Uh, I thought it was overall much better pressure from us. Luis Diaz bright in this period. Uh, an actual chance was fashioned on 53 minutes when Darwin got onto a great ball by Trent. He cuts in and he shot narrowly wide, just sort of uh, wide of the top corner. It's a good dig, good carry, decent play by our attacker, good ball by Trent, more good pressure um, after that a couple of shots blocked in a row one of them at least was Darwin Nunes on the 56 minute mark um, now the Saliba thing I'd like to get to at some point I've no interest in digging out Saliba he's clearly a very good footballer but there, there, you do understand uh, when you see someone who's being overrated by comparison with, and it's just absolute silly talk to have him in conversations with Virgil van Dijk, or if we're being perfectly honest, at the far end today, Bukinate was far superior. Uh, Saliba had a few issues and got away with a couple. And especially in the second half, he did not like being up against Jota. That was interesting to note. So, you know, fair play. And obviously, clearly a wonderful player and clearly developing still as well. But the idea that he's already the finished article is as daft as saying Saka is. Um, it, the comparisons are as daft as those between Saka and Mo Salah. It, just, it makes no sense. Just bide your timeline. Be happy you have a wonderfully talented young up-and-comer. They don't already have to be the best in the world when they're clearly not. It doesn't do anyone any favours, I don't think, because that media loop, as we know, Jim, just keeps going round and round. And mm-hmm. we'll take another couple of minutes uh, of this, you and I together. 57, Saka does have a shot. This time it's over the top after a free um, down the side really opened us up it should it was too easy it was just a ball slipped down the side of our defense into this gaping chasm um and Havertz dinks the ball into the mixer uh and they somehow failed to convert someone tries to knee it someone pulls away from a header I think it was Gabriel uh because there's a shout and whoever's coming on to it just sort of knees it ineffectually uh and we get away with one there because we were absolutely opened up um, on that particular little um, movement. We bring on Gravenberg and Jota on 58 minutes for Mac and Cody. And on the hour mark, we needed Ali to do well again. Uh, This time it was a deflected cross, which spilled to Saka and his effort was very poor. Um, But Ali's intervention on that deflected cross, very, very important. And they bring on Martinelli for Nelson. And the game does have a little bit of a change, not necessarily all positive for them after that. So just for that first chunk of the first half, Jim, anything in particular you'd like to uh, pick out in terms of what you saw maybe change for us? Yeah, I mean, I said we didn't have we didn't have the personnel on the bench to change things much for the second half. But what we did was we changed the personnel on the pitch. That um, seeing Diaz on the right, that that was so effective. That made such a difference. And Nunez on the left. Um, I mean, again, there's probably games where he's better centrally, better on the left. Today was certainly that second half. He was better on the left. Um, it made such a difference. Um, and I mean, Gapo, really, I suppose. He was just playing out until he knew he was going to be going off. We knew Jota was going to be coming on at some point, but that just made such a difference, I felt. And um, Elliot 
playing you know a little bit deeper we sort of say where's Elliot's best place I think when we're in a in attack mode then being a midfielder is not a bad place for him to be because um, it's his first thought his attack isn't it he's, he's very much an attack minded player and he does that well and it, it just I don't know it just made that bit of a difference and it, it's surprising what can happen in a in a half-time team talk I don't know whether what what was said to them at halftime probably as we're thinking it was probably oh aren't we aren't we hard done to aren't we having a bad time um, you know can't believe how lucky so poor and you start buying into that whereas we were probably like you know um, you survived you did well you, you kept them at bay you did have some bad moments but you you worked together you kept their chances down to being mediocre ones and it made a difference um Again, though, yeah. I mean, that the, the thing that stands out to me, the parts that stand out for me in this, um, I mean, that with Gomez, he was just keeping Saka at bay, you know, running all the way through, keeping him at bay to the point where Ali could gather it. And then minutes later, Gomez, he's got to score soon, hasn't he? And I think he's got the most chance of it playing on that left-hand side. I think sooner or later, he's going to get one. Um, and then we can stop hearing commentators telling us that he's not scored one yet, because we do hear that quite a bit. Um, and there was that little spell around 51, 52 minutes where we just had... Um, we were sort of on the break more, more than anything, but we were constantly looking dangerous. We were just sort of fluffing our lines a little bit. Um, I mean, Darwin's effort was just wide, I thought. Um, but, you know, again, it was wide. And Alan Shearer, who never did anything wrong, was probably criticising him because he usually does. Um, as this sort of half went on, or this part of the half went on, though, it felt like... You know, it, it was us sort of taking control of the game now. We hadn't had control of the game that often. And when we had had control, it had been more of a sort of, you know, slowing things down, quieting the crowd, that kind of thing, more than us actually going for a win. At this point, though, this second half, when we had control, we were definitely looking for that win. Um, it turned into quite a tasty game, I would say, as this half went on. Um it was good to see Matt playing as well. That he's, you know, he's only come back from injury. I'm glad he got the hour today. He needs it, and um, we keep saying we're not sure that's the role for him. But he, he did well today. And there was one point in the game today. One, of, I think it was Saka. He might have might have had a coming together with. I'm not sure. Uh, one of their players went down. Really, really soft uh, fall over. And the look from McAllister. If you you're pathetic, there's just a look on his face. It's a look the Arsenal player. Um, it was good to see. Um, but yeah. Um, that free kick, that was one of those moments. So Odegaard, um, he hadn't been effectual. We heard early on in the game on our commentary over here um, how good they are at set pieces. They had a lot of set pieces today, and I don't remember any that were really that good, but this one was um, in the sense that they, they just spotted we weren't we weren't ready for that. There must have been something they talked about beforehand on the training ground. They must have known it was something they could maybe have a go at, and we were just caught out, caught napping. Um, and on another day, I don't think... Well, I'm sure Saka will be disappointed that he blasted over. Although, um, one of the replays I saw on the initial deep briefly, I'm not sure if he was offside, so maybe it wouldn't have counted. Um, the changes, I think, came at the right time. Um, bring Jota on, super sub as you can be, you can make a difference. And Gravenberch, he's been a player that's sort of flattered to deceive this season. He's not been as good as we hoped he would be. But, you know, we're all holding out good hope for him. He's only a young lad and all the rest of it. And I think, to be fair to him today, he didn't do... He had a couple of bad moments, but so did most of our players. And I think he was much improved today. Um, it worked well for him. I thought he's got to take his chance today if he gets on. Um, I'm not sure he took it with both hands as much as I would have liked, but he did certainly get a good hold of his chance, at least. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. 
and we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on eplindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to come in at the end and you and I will talk about the last little chunk of the game uh, before I go to Harry's wrap-up thoughts and we'll finish with you. Just that's the long-term plan. But um, it's interesting you, ma- you mentioned Gravenberg because Harry, he's going to come in to um, yeah. um, play uh, in this wee section of the game. He's obviously just been introduced as a sub where we are at the moment. And I must be the only guy who's been on the planet five decades and not seen um, uh, the um, classic movie where I couldn't make up the detail. Uh, I couldn't, I wasn't sure of the detail. I was trying to come up with some analogy of whether Gravenberg was the tin man or the cowardly lion, right? Uh, because I've never seen that. Mm. Uh, and I was, I was coming up with some sort of, you know, yeah, already d- d- disparaging derogatory comments in my head because I've seen this guy wimp out of tackles and wander into crowded areas where it looks like he's hiding and I was I was really getting disillusioned with him not because I don't think he's good enough not because I don't want him to be but I was like lad make your talent work for us please we need it and I thought like Jim said I thought he did reasonably well today in his showing and we'll talk about that as it goes yeah. on and um after martinelli came on for them we had a little bit of a break 63 minutes it was a very poor harvey elliott right-footed shot on the end of a decent move and you know there's a start there's a feeling starting to come that we're actually playing our football now that we have shown that we can play through them and worry them and open them up and there's a nervousness obviously going to come into them as well because of their profligacy are we going to go and take our chances um Saliba picks up a yellow almost immediately because Jota has him rattled straight away. 65 minutes, he's got that yellow. Uh, Jota's only been on the park a few minutes. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Um, we saw a great tackle in an advanced area by Jarrell Kwanzaa in 65 minutes because we would have been really stretched on the break. We had a lot of our defenders up the field because that's what we do. We do commit. Uh, and then fantastic work by Ibu Kanate after Martinelli had done Trent for the first time uh, and then again uh, for a second time. And it's the second time that I, I, I'm going to pause here because this is the example par excellence of, of this thing that we're talking about. So Martinelli does Trent the first time. You go, OK, he's, he's skinned and Martinelli's very good at that. Uh, so what Ibu does his job and covers Trent, fantastic. He's got to do it again within seconds because this time Trent is even further in field. He's jogging about. And he really half-arses the challenge because he's apparently, in inverted commas, injured. And then he's running around again in a few seconds. He's grand. So he was doing that thing that professional footballers do. He's not actually hurt. He's like, you know, surely that was worth a free kick or whatever it happens to be. I just can't accept that lack of of, of, of full-throated commitment to the defensive effort. And I think that's what makes people, whether... 
the guy is actually crocked there and I'm being too hard on him or not. Regardless, maybe I'm completely in the wrong here, but from a uh, what's the word from a, a visually from a from a yeah. eyeballs on the pitch perspective the 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 game that we see you can understand why people are saying hey he's not even trying there because it, that is what it looks like and it doesn't take long for these narratives to develop and I just don't want to be hearing it all the time it's getting mm-hmm. tiresome you know no I know what you're saying I, th- I I I I think you've nailed it into the sort of what my issue is with this I mean I think. Um, I think you've got to preface any of this by saying, I mean, Trent has uh, performed at a ridiculously high level with, with different variations, different iterations of Liverpool uh, since since Klopp came in, since he came into the side, of course. Uh, and I think Trent has also played um, games against uh, most of the best wingers in the world. And I would say pretty much has 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 covered himself in glory but like he's 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 done himself proud in in the vast majority of those games i could think about um multiple like very talented wingers that trent has um performed well against most fullbacks would not like to be left 1v1 against uh uh, excellent dribblers fast excellent dribblers That's 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 a tough thing to deal with for the best fullbacks in the world um like Aaron Wambasaka uh, aside, I, I have to say in that case, uh, based upon what I hear from the United contingent, is obviously the best one v one fullback in the world. But yes, I, it's it's the attitude, Trevor. It, it, uh, it's it's the in those moments now. There's an indifference to those moments that you look at it and go, at least at least pretend, <laughs> at least pretend to be putting in a bit more effort to like uh, stop your man from beating you like, comfortably 1v1. And, uh, and the point I mentioned earlier on about people helping each other out, which I thought was a really great aspect of today's game, Ibu, I thought, helped Trent out a whole bunch of times. And, you know, that's great. That you know, that, that's And if, if that's the understanding of, like, look, this is a guy who's a difficult winger. We're expecting him to you know, perhaps beat me here and Ibu's going to cover for me. Great, fine. But I, I do think it's 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 the casual nature of the defending in those 1v1s at times that is a bit uh, dis- disappointing because actually I thought there were plenty of moments today where he did really effective, important defensive work, showed composure in good moments, uh, which, which shows you, you know, he's still he has still got that defensive mindset about him he still knows what he has to be doing in these moments and how to do it correctly i just think there's there's an indifference about these 1v1s now that does make you think okay maybe is this guy who's you know in this compromised role at the moment halfway house is his head already uh, on the next thing which i think it is and that's that's fine if, if that's if that's the case that's fine but we'll have to deal with that in terms of probably bringing in a a right back who's just lives for the one v ones, lives for that stuff, and you know that will set Trent free if he is to be a midfielder uh, to do what he wants to do creatively. But I, I, I don't think you're being too harsh, Trevor. I think that we can appreciate the greatness that this that this kid, no doubt he has, whilst also say like he's giving them easy, easy ammunition. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, it, it's it's just it's like I say, important to try and be balanced in the way we look at these things. And you know what, Mr. Gravenberg's involved straight away hmm. because yeah. after that corner uh, that they get because of that second Martinelli where Ibu has to intervene, it's Gravenberg who, who clears the ball um, on 69. Darwin breaks. He, he plays the ball just inside to Luis Diaz who. 
I don't know. There was something about the way Luis Diaz sort of uh, reacted to the cross. Uh, obviously, he had gone too early, or maybe Darwin's the ball, ball was, was bad. Yeah, bad. It's probably a combo of the two. Darwin looked a bit exasperated. Uh, Diaz didn't react as quickly to the ball going behind him as I think we'd all have liked. Um, and it was just a bit of an unfortunate situation because, again, like you said earlier on, so correctly, if we had either of the two boys from previous iterations of Liverpool, I think that's. Stop oh, yeah. dead and yeah, it's a goal, right? And um, anyway, on seventy, uh, Harvey picks up a yellow because he goes in to a tackle, which is hardly a serious one at all, and has a little bit of a grouse at the referee, kind of like Jorginho did earlier on. But anyway, he got off with it. Uh, Harvey did not. Another good foot in by Gravenberg on seventy-one minutes. Um, Saka has a bit of a dig over the top on seventy-two. This time it was a ball out from Gravenberg and Harvey Elliott was breaking uh, and he wasn't keeping his eye on where the ball was going. He was keeping his eye on where he was going uh, and Gravenberg's ball got intercepted. Uh, they, we change it up another little bit um, uh, on 74 minutes, bringing on Bradley and Clark for Curtis and Harvey. And I think it, it's interesting. At this point, an awful lot of people might have said, oh, is Kloppo saying, well, it doesn't really matter now? Uh, what what what, do, what are we supposed to take from these substitutions? And fair play to these two kids. They put their hands right up. They got straight into it. Real bravery in terms of wanting to get on the ball from the start of their time on the pitch. And on 76 minutes, it was a great carry by Jota who was really, you know, making his presence felt. He played the ball to Luis Diaz, and Diaz's left-footed snapshot back across the face of goal was tipped away for a corner. More chances from that, Harry, then. Uh, Jota headed against the bar, it dropped to Darwin right in the mixer, and Darwin tries to curl it to the top corner, but he's got no angle for that, and it goes kind of disappointingly well off target. Gravenberg does very well to do some hold-up play on 79 minutes, which leads to a free-in, and lo and behold, Harry, and this is where we'll pause it uh, we go one up it is our man it is great delivery which is why we love uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, and the uh, God bless uh, poor QBR the finish is sublime um, we'll take that all day and twice on Sundays uh, it was lovely to go one up then and it did feel a bit like oh, they're broken now at this point because we had been knocking on the door. We had said, no, we're not taking this and pushed back. And even with the introduction of the kiddos into the team, uh, here we are, a goal up, uh, a lovely, lovely moment. Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is something that Arsenal uh, fans have, have gone through in the recent sort of run that they've been on. A similar kind of performance where you think with possession, with maybe the number of chances or whatever that they've, they've carved out, that they should be doing better. And then a team goes up the other end and scores and makes the most of their one chance or what they're getting. And when that starts to happen quite a few times in a row and yeah, you, you hear the discussions around this side. Like, do they need a striker? Are, are any of their forwards you know, truly world-class? Yeah, you start to become self-fulfilling prophecy. I thought you could see the heads really go down there a little bit. I'm sure they were trying to 
like avoid that, resist it, but it's it's very difficult to do it. People you know, cheekily saying that you know, Arsenal finally got one in their own net, uh, finally got one in the net rather, but it was their own one. And it's, it's uh, I do enjoy Diaz celebrating. Always enjoy uh, Liverpool players celebrating like they've scored uh, a goal when it's a clear, <laughs> it's a clear own goal. Maybe he was just running to Trent to celebrate. Maybe that's what it was about. That's what the South Americans they tend to celebrate everything and. Yeah, I thought it was it was a gut punch for them, really, really tough. And you just thought, well, even if they have got something about them now and they come out and they, they, they throw everything at us, they're going to become even more vulnerable to the counter. And just a bit earlier on, you mentioned uh, some, some of those some of those subs. I think it's worth mentioning just uh, Bobby Clark and, and Bradley, I thought, played really well. Uh, and I thought Bobby Clark in, in particular stood out. Uh, actually, no, sorry, Connor Bradley in particular, sorry, uh, stood out for me in terms of He's had some difficult cameos uh, when he has had a chance this season, but I thought today was really quite assured. You know, he's, again, he's dealing with that difficult customer in Martinelli that we've spoken about. Could easily have floundered in that that sort of you know, atmosphere, um, that sort of pressure scenario, and I thought he did really, really well. Uh, and beyond just clearing it, beyond just defending, showed that there's a bit more culture to his game. And Jota, I thought that the introduction uh, that we saw from him exactly what we expect from him right just a a lack of in, you know, if the other forwards were indecisive uh, a bit too tentative for our liking uh, Jot is anything but right it's very much get the ball drive okay this is the way we're going lads you know, this, this is the objective of this of this sport it's the net we're, we're going towards that uh, and you know, if I can help you get it in the net great otherwise I'll do it myself and then there's a real like single-mindedness to to him, which makes him so effective in these situations. And and just in case we don't mention Gravenberg again, Trev, I thought he's one that I thought had a really promising start to his um his his time here. I think you can see the things that are negative about him are things that you'd hope. Well, I think the the coaching staff are probably aware of uh, some of the individual-minded stuff, stuff we've seen from Curtis right in the past that has been coached out of him. And the the lack of knowledge and intensity of the pressing again that's going to be coached into him. I think he probably will be playing a little bit less often, uh, where we not sort of missing a few a few players. But today I thought he showed some of the other sides of his game and the fact that he's a big guy. He can hold onto the ball. Uh, he can, he's technically gifted. Um, didn't just hoof it on a couple of occasions when we had counters. He, he he thought about what he was doing and helped that helped us build moves. So I thought, yeah, I thought it was a promising cameo from him. Like he's not lighting up the world at the moment, but you, I, for me, there's enough raw ingredients there. You can see that if they get the, their chance to mould him and he's responsive to it, there's there's a real promising player there. I think you're right. I think you're right. And it's nice to see the flashes of what we could get from him uh, in these matches. And Jim, if you and I see the match out, I'll then go back to Harry for his wrap up. So we'll finish the show with you with yours. Uh, We're on 81 minutes at this stage um, after the goal. And there is an absolutely outrageously brilliant Ibu Kanate tackle. Uh, he plays a ball to Trent. Trent launches one of those um, diagonal bombs, uh, which ends with Luis Diaz shooting over and possibly should do better. It's um, it's a great break by us, but set up by that outrageously good tackle by Ibu Kanate, who, like I say, was by, by far, I think, by some distance, our most important and best performer on the day. 
uh, Darwin covered back for uh, uh, a little bit of defensive work, ended up standing on Saka, which led to a free in on the left. And from that, they did have a chance on 84 minutes. Havertz headed again and again. It was off target. Um, I thought Bradley did really well against Martinelli on 86 minutes. Uh, they bring on um, Trossard at that point on 87 Um Trent is trying to force the play a bit on 88, gives the ball away. Uh, we end up a minute later with Gravenberg taking the yellow card because he has to foul Odegaard lest they break. A couple of those moments for us where we take, lads take one for the team. Uh, there's a chance from that free um, where uh, Gravenberg had fouled Odegaard uh, and Darwin is the one who gets a defensive header there. Now it's a huge defensive header as it happens but it seems to almost brush the post or hit the post on the way out so it's just enough. Um, within seconds of that though uh, he is off that corner making a brilliant defensive header uh, and this is what we were talking about earlier on with this kid. Four minutes were added on you would think nothing's going to happen. A lot happens. Uh, we break. Diaz nearly gets in on 90. Uh, 91. Clark takes one for the team. Picks up a yellow. Uh, 92. A fantastic defensive header by Bradley, which leads to a corner. Ali takes it two-handed, which is always demoralizing for any team. <laughs> and within another couple of seconds, we've got Bradley running down the wing on the right-hand side. Brilliant cross in on 93. Uh Trent takes his yellow on 93 to stop a break. And another massive Darwin defensive header on 93 minutes as well. I mean, there's a lot of action getting crammed in here by a lot of the players that we've mentioned from minute one. And these two new arrivals are getting really stuck in. Great, as as Harry says, to see Bradley have one of these really upbeat performances for him. And I thought uh, Clark looked very composed uh, uh, when he was in possession as well. And of course, Jim, we end with a tremendous bit of crack where we have the best moment of the match in terms of uh, aesthetics and all the rest of it. A lovely flowing move. Uh, Ends with a Luis Diaz blam into the top corner. Gravenberg had been involved. He played the ball to Darwin. Darwin plays it on to Jota, who carries for a bit, squares it to Diaz, takes a touch and blasts it right up into the postage stamp. And it's just... I don't know, Jim, it's not really icing on the cake as much as an extra kick to an opponent who is floundering below you, uh, trying to grasp onto this little rope ladder that's hanging out of the helicopter. uh, And we can't take two lads on this rope ladder. It's only only one of us can survive. (laughs) And we just kicked them right off. Um, And it just felt as if there was a little bit of a dismissal of Arsenal in that that I really enjoyed, I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, it, it just cuts off um, such an improved second half. Um, as I said early on, I do wonder if the game plan was to kind of go easy first half and then take it to them second. Um, you know, and we did. I mean, that, that is going to knock their confidence so much. Um, I've seen quotes somewhere from... Um, Lego head, trying to think what your nickname was for him. He, he, he's, he's, um, he's saying, well, the performance was there, the amount of chances too. We just have to win the game. We lost it. We're not capitalising. When you're better than the best team in Europe and you generate that amount of chances, I've not seen a team do it against them like we have done it. So he's calling us the the best team in Europe and saying that they are better than the best team in Europe. Um, so he's kind of praising us and bigging us up. 
because then it doesn't make them look as bad, does it? So he's already kind of writing his um, responses to Arsenal fan TV, which is a shame. And I think that's a lot of down to the way we did finish them off. That must have been heart-wrenching for them. I've written down in those last few moments, I think I got to the point where I was almost writing down how many seconds were left in my notes rather than, you know, what minute we were in. Um, and so sort of in the 92nd minute, I'm, I'm writing heart in mount in mouth moments because they've got this uh, corner and Ali just gathers as you said two handed and you know then the, t- the clock's ticking down um, there was a lovely bit um just you know after we'd scored and Ali's just taking forever with the goal kick you know where they do that where they change their mind it's going to be a short one this way a short one like oh no no I'll, I'll take it long I mean it happens to us and I hate it but every so often it's just good to do it to other teams just to waste a bit of time and that that sort of thing was I was thinking well this is what we're going to do now and there were, there were spells in this little bit where we were kind of we were sitting back more we were sort of letting them come at us but there was like I don't think you'll ever see a Liverpool side where you see you know a, fa- fa- a bank of five and a bank of four kind of thing um, two lines like you see some teams that play against us but we were back we were defending um, but then we were ready on the break and I thought come on maybe it's time just to take this one into the corner um, and I thought that a couple of times especially when we, we lost the ball but it just isn't in the DNA of this side, I don't think. I mean, sitting back, when I say sitting back, sitting back is just sitting back waiting to pounce and you can break. That's what this Liverpool side is. And it was no surprise, really, that at the end, that Diaz, you know, at least went for the effort. The surprise, if anything, was, um, given what we said today about the amount of times we see chances go begging, um, was that he put it away. And I would say he's not had the best football of his Liverpool time since he had the issue with his dad which is fair enough it would knock anyone for six maybe his dad's gone back home now now that Christmas is out of the way maybe he's not getting that coaching from the sidelines from his dad anymore that you know you see so many kids get put off by the dad telling them how to do stuff and was listening to the coaches that are paid to coach him but it, it, they, it just it just put a, a good sort of um top hat if you like on the way he'd played the second half and the way we'd played the second half um it feels interesting. I'd like to see him play on that side more often um, just to see, you know, it's just a change from what he's used to. And again, he's that, he's that kind of player like Nunez. He's not just thinking about scoring goals, wandering around nonchalantly waiting for a chance to come his way. He's, he's looking to go and get the ball back in our half, go and save, save go, go and save the ball from us, do stop chances. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the one on the Darwin, that one where he headed it wide past our goal, um, if ever there was a time were not were Darwin um, headed wide. That was the one. Um, it did look a bit close to the goal. I'd like to think he knew exactly where it was, but um, I'm not too sure because I think the times we've seen Darwin just uh, just miss and maybe not realising where the goal is. You know, maybe losing his bearings a little bit. That could have easily gone the other way. But he says everything about that player. Um, he just wants to win. And when we look at individuals and we start pick individuals out and we start finding fault with individual performances, sometimes we forget what they do as the team and what the sum of the parts is with this team. Um, you know, there's some, we've got some amazing players in there, some amazing parts in this team, but when you add them all together, I do think we've got a lot more than, you know, what you get if you just look at them individually. It's, it's, it's going places this side. I really think it is going places. Long way to go still this season, long way to go in this cup, but you know, that, uh, it was just like a little nail in their coffin and it was so nice at the end. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. 
As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. It really was. It really was. And you know what? You're right. There are so many aspects of this team that look like they're starting to look the right way. And there have been really excellent from the start of the season. Credit where it's due as well. I think both of you have mentioned it and it would be remiss of me not to at some point. But credit to Harinder and Aman Singhi and all the rest of the travelling cop because I yeah. thought fans were absolutely outrageously great today. And you're talking about a place where, to be fair, they were right up for it, the opposition. They were very loud. They were very boisterous. And we were, our lot were absolutely putting it up to them. I thought that was tremendous. And it does help. And that celebration at the end with the fans uh, and the team was absolutely heartfelt. And that's what I said. It actually gave a little bit of a different spin to me at the end, watching that to see how important it was to all of those. I mean, Darwin Nunes is fucking delighted with that win. He's going around. He's, <laughs> he's, he's giving nuggies to, uh, to Luis Diaz. He, he's so proud of his wee mate for getting that late goal. This matters. So every time we see the Reds win, it's a good win. And I'll be back to you, Jim, for your final thoughts in a second. Harry, let's get yours now as long away at the end anything you might have coming up because it's a weird spell this uh, for the next while of course we do have another match quite quickly and then we've got that is 11 days or something between that and the next one so uh, give me your your summary hmm. thoughts then on this today anything you wanted to pick out that we, sh- we we left to one side or anything like that I think you mentioned it earlier on right in that, that it's it's about us making like any title rivals or uh, potential title rivals like feel as though they're not they're not on the same level and i think uh you know we get a chance to go to the emirates um next month and um do this all over again probably with a different very different performance you'd imagine hopefully uh you know egypt have had a hot horrendous afcon uh, and most already <laughs> most already back hopefully but um i expect that to be a yeah, much different game but I think it's yeah, it's, it's another message, another, another statement that's been been sent out there. Yes, it's the cup. If we'd lost, and we could be, let's face it, we we could have lost that game. Uh, I think people would have rightly been a little bit indifferent towards it because we do have a lot of games on at the moment. I don't hear anybody mention anything to do with the quad. It's it's it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Ignore it, boys. It's not the same <laughs> thing until until all the trophies are in the cabinet. If if it, if it genuinely did happen in some universe, please. Please start mentioning the quad, uh, and I hope if, if Klopp <laughs> does get any any uh, questions about it, he says no, we're not going to do it. We're going to lose <laughs> in one competition, wanting <laughs> to kill it because it's yeah. We've seen how that really does tire your players out, and we've already got ten of them missing at the moment for one reason or the other. But you re- really positive performance. I mean, there's few better ways to win a game like that. 
last minute, sort of like in the dying seconds, lashing it into the top corner after, uh, I think Jim mentioned, right, Diaz and Darwin, frustrating games. Like I said, I, I, I've avoided doing it, but I, I did feel like comparing them to the, the players they're trying to replace um, in, in this match, just because you felt like oh, those guys were there. This would be long. This would be finished. And the, uh, in terms of sort of the, some of the profligacy we've seen from, from both of them, but yeah, there's that spirit. Um, and there's a, there's a real fight. There's a sort of fighters mentality about this team. Even, uh, I mean, we know we know Mo's got it, but even Endo, right? Who, who's who's headed off uh, for the Asian Cup is he's he's shown that that even with that, if, as long as you've got that, you can you can find a way into this team. And yeah, there's a great spirit about them. So yeah, delighted with the win and uh, yeah, the way in which it came about in the end. And no no injuries is a, a wonderful thing when Kwanzaa went down. Uh, for that sort of brief moment, I was I was very very concerned, considering the sort of the the paucity of our defensive options. But yeah, a number of really big performances. Kanate should be mentioned. Kwanza, um, Trent, uh, another terrific performance. Thought Mac yeah, looked slow to begin with, clearly getting some sharpness back, but that's important. Uh, and Diaz ending up with a goal. Yeah, that's that's great in in, in this period where we're going to need him to perform as well so just some final things from me that i thought were were fun um was that uh, i think klopp's had that um press conference after the game and there's, there's a great quote about van dyke being ruled out due to illness and he's uh he said it's difficult for virgil to look shit but he did so we took the main- <laughs> <laughs> which is um, i think one of the most honest uh honest bits of uh of commentary you'll get from klopp is that it is i can imagine it's very difficult for that man to uh to look a bit ruffled, so he must be really uh, in the midst of a uh, of man flu. So hopefully he is able to recover from that. Um, and then, other than that, I just think it's um, yeah, it's just worth highlighting um, that yeah, as Jim was pointing out, Arteta's comments there, the best team in Europe. He said uh, that uh, his side um, outplayed this evening largely. So yeah, very excited to see what uh, the best team in Europe might be able to. Uh, to achieve this season, uh, and also um, from me, uh, there'll be there'll be yeah, another rival recon. You say it's a weird period, but ahead of that Bournemouth game uh, um, on the twenty first of Jan, actually. So yeah, there'll be another pod ahead of that one, and that's going to be an intriguing game, I think, given the improvements they've shown this season under their manager. So yeah, stay tuned for um for that one, trip. Absolutely, and you stay tuned for anything that's coming out from Harry. As he said, there will be a rival recon for Bournemouth. Uh, Fulham don't warrant one, but Harry will be back for the second leg of the uh, semi-final uh, on Raw. And again on the Chelsea game with uh, Dave and uh, I think it's going to be Guy, um, because... Yours truly is actually going to be at that game on the 31st of January. Jim, to get your final thoughts as well as your final plugs too, uh, that's a word Harry just used there. I think you used it in your build-up. It was the first thing I said on Twitter afterwards. It was was fun. It was an enjoyable it was an enjoyable win. Uh, the kind of thing that puts a big old smile on your face going into a week. Uh, a week that can 
probably not be <laughs> oh I better touch wood here you would imagine shouldn't be able to be ruined too badly because it's the first leg of a semi-final no matter unless it's absolutely appalling it's always going to be uh, get back into a bull so you'd like to think that we're going to be smiling for a while uh, and it just felt like a fun moment that's there to enjoy who knows who cares about the next round uh, as someone said on Twitter some wag said, said on Twitter I think it was my mate Chris um, from Empire uh, podcast uh, do we get the draw now or do we have to wait till Pep Guardiola sends in the the decisions uh, but anyway it'll be whatever it'll be and we'll see what it is it just felt like fun Jim it did. I mean, maybe David Myers will be there with his hot balls um, doing the draw. We'll find out. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> he's, he's, been, he's been known for that in draws before. Um, yeah, Ryan Gravenberg. We uh, there was just one moment, and I took a note of it because he lost the ball and then he went and won it back. Now I know that's you know in the whole scheme of a ninety-minute game, that little moment. But that's that's the difference I think in the Ryan Gravenberg from today and the one from a bit ago is the. He, he messed up right every player does every player does but then you, you do what you can to put it right and he did what he ra- he could to put it right so you know this this is a little thing these are those little moments um, we talked I mean everyone looked at it when the subs were made on this whatever it was 75 minutes the two young lads coming on and thinking oh what does this mean he's bringing kids on because normally that means you've sort of given up or you really think you've you know you think you've done enough um, we, we didn't it's just that that was the bench that we had we didn't have much choice and you're saying bringing the kids on, and you're thinking, well, Curtis is 22 and Elliot's 20. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bradley's 20. Clark's 18. So, yeah, they're younger, but not much younger. They've got less experience, yes. But they're still, you know, how do kids get experience? By being used. And I think that that today, that experience for those two um, would have been massive. Being part of that game at, that, at the end when we won... Um, it's going to be something that lives long in the memory for them and it's going to make such a difference and talking of the future Ibu um, it feels like Ibu and, and the way he's been playing this season so far Kwanza, this could be our future sort of back back to pairing that we see uh, centre back pairing that we see you know we at the moment you would probably always argue that you'd want Virgil and Ibu as you two if everyone's fit and well and you've you know you've not got to worry about rotation or anything that's who you'd stick in I can see you know obviously Van Dijk's going to get to a point where um he does look ruffled in a different way because he's getting on and he's going to sort of step to one side and I just feel like this could potentially be our future centre-back pairing and, you know, if they keep developing the way they are doing in their own respective way, then that's not going to be a bad couple to have at the back and something to really look forward to. Um, Another thought I've had today is that after games, time and again, you see uh, players talk about they score a goal. They say, oh, what matters to the team's more important? And you think, yeah, you're just saying that. You love that goal. You wanted that goal for yourself, kind of thing. <laughs> but this is a team, I think, you do care about the teammates. And, you know, it's not about the glory. Although, yeah, everyone, they all have a moment of hot-headedness where they maybe have a shot at goal, where they should have had a pass. Um ball goes blazing over the bar but you know on the whole it is a team that that thinks about what's for the greater good and for each other and for the whole lot of them um i hate to use the word group so i don't want to use the word group but what a group this is i hate that word because it's what brendan rogers always used to use um and one two more things quickly on this there's it's about time i keep saying this i maybe i'll have to start a campaign to change the rule on own goals give it to the last player on the side who touched it when it went in you know that the goal belongs to because that's another one that trent could have then um but you know never mind i don't suppose it'll happen um just sick of seeing own goals like who wants to be credited with an own goal you'd much rather give it to the attacking player and you know one thing as well that just jumps out at me from today that we kind of almost forgotten about was um 
we weren't that bothered before the game. We've all said that we weren't that bothered about this game. Now it feels good. Now we're glad we did it. The next round's in the future. But maybe what uh, what in some ways is most important for us right now is there's no replay. So we've got a League Cup game, a so-called winter break. Yeah, that's not really a winter break. But, you know, we've, we've just lessened that pressure on us a little bit. So the month isn't going to be quite as heavy as it could have been. Um, obviously, we've got a fourth-round tie to play, which I think still in this month. Um, but at least, you know, there's some, there's some room in between places and um, it's one less game to worry about which is good because we've not got to play quite so early in Europe as well I'm just glad with the win um, and I'm sorry I didn't um, get more excited about it in beforehand I'm sorry I played it down so much but maybe maybe that that just adds a little bit more joy to the whole situation that again we weren't that asked about we went and won as far as I'm concerned there's a scout of Tommy's available now where we talk about the Newcastle game the day after the Newcastle game that was pretty mad and we'll try and get something done this week probably after the Fulham game and I'm hoping um, because it is only the first half of that tie that whatever happens we'll still be in a good mood yeah, I think that's likely, and you'll be in a good mood afterwards anyway, because if you're listening to Raw, you'll have Guy alongside Dave and Jim for that first leg of the uh, League Cup semi-final before I'm back in with you for the Bournemouth game alongside Dave and Carl. And obviously, because it's a weird period of time there with a big gap between um, uh, fixtures, some 10 or 11 days, there'll be all sorts of uh, quirky content coming your way from the channel. So do keep an eye out for those. I know I'm involved in at least two or three uh, of those, (coughs) you know, less than normal programming stuff to keep you entertained in this period anyway whatever way you want to look at it the reds are in the hat for the next round of the fa cup Uh, a very very heartening win over a strong arsenal team on the day you gotta love that you heard jim boardman you heard harry sethy guy drinkle's been producing away in the background and helping us out i'm trev downey we'll talk to you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.